Hey, how you doing? This is Wade with Wade for Wireless. And welcome back for another episode of Wade for Wireless with all your wireless updates, news, and information. Just sit back and relax. So what is 5G anyway? It's fifth generation, but what does that mean to me? It's not 2G, it's not 3G, it's not 4G, and it's not 6G. When 5G comes out, then everyone will want 6G. <laughs> That's what it means to sales. But the reality is it's, it's, it's way more than just what you think. So I wanted to go into it quick because if you're not in the industry side, you really don't care. All you want is something that says, I have the latest and greatest. That's what most people care about. That's what people in our side of the industry, the tech side, us technology people, we care about what 5G is because we're trying to understand if it's just another wireless format or not. So first off, I apologize. I don't know what happened. I got some type of chest cold. I've been fighting it for about a week now. It's just really exhausting. I'm <laughs> just trying to get over it. I want to bring up a couple other things. I want to really thank my sponsors like Tower Tracker Pro, towertrackerpro.com. They have the ultimate app for doing closeout packages so your tower climbers can get it done right in one visit while they're there. And before they leave, they can send it back to the office to have quality control look at it. Can you imagine just walking through your closeout package step by step by step by having your device, your smartphone, your tablet, ask you questions and make sure that you take the right pictures and you can do it all from one device. How cool is that? I also want to thank Tower Safety and Instruction. Kathy Brand runs an amazing school out there in Arizona. For And if you want more information, you can go to towersafety.com, but they have tower climbing, tower training, they have OSHA training. They have all your tower safety needs, and they also have drone training, which sets them apart from almost everybody. Drone training, towersafety.com. And finally, the LTE, CRAN, and DAS Deployment Handbook, the Wireless Deployment Handbook, written by me. That's right. I wrote it for you guys because I had so many questions, and I am coming out with a 5G uh, version the wireless deployment handbook, and it's basically about the 5G deployments. It's what we know so far, but it's pretty much uh, an expansion on what I did in this book. I've been working on it for yeah, a couple months now. I'm trying to finish it. That's one of the reasons I write these blogs because it helps me explain a lot of things that I get asked every day. People ask me about 5G all the time. What is it? How big are the antennas and all that? So I try to go over a little bit at a time. Right now, what is 5G? That's the question of the day. 5G. Sounds impressive, doesn't it? Just like 4G did. Just like 3G did before that, you know? As we progress, we get more advanced in our networks. But this time, 5G takes it beyond just a wireless format. Let's look at history first. That's what I want to look at first. Uh, quick history recap. 1G was probably just any type of phone that could connect. And I don't know if anyone remembers that, but that's basically all it was, you know? The handset to the phone was probably in a vehicle like 2G. 2G was really the same thing, a little more advanced. But 3G, 3G could not only do voice, but it could also do data. It was, uh, you had CDMA and GSM. You could do data, you could do text. They were adding more and more features as it progressed. And basically, when you thought of 3G, 
You thought of either CDMA or GSM. You thought of the format, the wireless format. And then 4G came along. 4G, you still think of the format. You think of LTE. Now, you know, it could have been WCDMA. It could have been WiMAX. But the carriers pretty much decided on LTE. And they did that because of long-term evolution. They wanted to see something that would grow. So 3GPP, the group that uh, comes out with the standards and the formats, basically came up with a way to take LTE to the next level. They, they do a lot of things, but the LTE is clearly evolving even faster than we can imagine because of the demand for data from these devices. Thank you, iPhone. The iPhone came out on the AT&T network and it changed everything since then. It's pretty amazing. When we think of 4G, we think of LTE. We just do. That's what we think of. LTE is more than just the wireless network. It's also an evolved packet core. It really took the core and made it, what would you say, a little more diverse. You could you could take the core and move it anywhere. You could have micro cores. The cores could talk to each other in a clean fashion. And the other thing about 4G, it is an all IP network. That was the other evolution. So the network has evolved. It helps the carriers out because they're not necessarily married to one vendor anymore. The cores can all talk to each other. They can mix and match equipment. It's a little cleaner. It's an all IP network. So it really changed the way we uh, look at the data. So, so why do we improve? Because we're human. That's what we do. And in this case, we don't just do it because it's cool. We do it because the end user demands it. They, have more, they want more data, put more load on the network, and the operators have to spend a lot more money on the network. And again, like I said before, thank you, iPhone. So what's the big difference? Going to 5G, it's more than just a wireless format. It's more than just the evolved core. It's going to take it to the next level. It's where the true concept of a HetNet comes into place. In 4G, they had the HetNet. HetNet stands for Heterogeneous Network. And I have a link in there at Wade. W-A-D-E, the number four wireless.com. If you go to my website, you'll see in this blog, which this blog is named, what is 5G? According to Wikipedia, using different access technologies, for example, a wireless network which provides a service through a wireless LAN and is able to maintain the service when switching to a cellular network is called a wireless heterogeneous network what we call the HetNet. Basically, any type of format, it was made for computers. They could use any network, any type of I uh, operating system. I almost said iOS, but any type of operating system, and they can share everything. That's the whole idea of a HetNet. The HetNet's a game changer. While the concept is there for 4G, for 5G, 5G is truly going to be a HetNet because that's what 5G is going to be. It's going to be the network. It's really going to make a difference in what we can, what we can uh, put through the network. 5G... It's really a game changer in so many ways because we're going to look not at the format. We're not going to look at the core. We're not going to look at the necessarily the spectrum. It's going to be everything together. It's going to be the routers, the backhaul, the core, the wireless formats, multiple formats all together in a hat net. We're going to look at everything. LTE and Wi-Fi together and perhaps other formats. In fact, they're coming out with 5G formats, which are going to be faster, newer, but the specific thing about 5G, it's also going to have more spectrum. Now, we aren't going to abandon the existing spectrum, and we aren't going to abandon LTE. They're going to be the foundations for what is going to be 5G. So 5G could be in any spectrum, 600 megahertz, 700 megahertz, 1.9 gigahertz, 2.5 gigahertz, 24 gigahertz, 28 gigahertz, 60 gigahertz, or any other band that could be allocated to 5G. You could even have unlicensed spectrum running. 
and combine it all together. That's where the whole idea of carrier aggregation comes in. You could have Wi-Fi or LTEU. You could have lightly licensed bands in 3.65 gigahertz, what you hear in the States we call the CBRS, the Citizens Broadband Radio Services, so aptly named by the FCC. The end user may not notice what network he's on. He may not care. He may not care if he's on a macro station or a small cell or a licensed or unlicensed, but he will notice a difference in speed and he will notice the user experience. Quality of experience is what we're going for. So again, what is 5G? It's a combination of all the network encompasses. What I mean by that, it will be parts of all of this put together for speeds that are super fast on different networks, but they will talk to each other. They will hand off to each other. It's going to be beautiful. How are they going to get to higher speeds? That's something that you're probably wondering, especially with LTE. LTE can do a lot, but we're currently con constrained, I would say, by the, uh, the spectrum that we have. You know, it's just not enough to give people what they want, especially multiple people, high doses of bandwidth, and that's what they want. So we're going to handle this a couple different ways. We have carrier aggregation. That's basically where they take multiple carriers and they put them together to look like one big pipe. Now, they don't do it through the spectrum. The spectrum is a spectrum. The way they do it, the aggregation happens at the BTS. They pump the data through, let's say, two, three, or up to six or seven different carriers at one time. And your mobile device receives all six or seven of those carriers at the same time and decodes it looking as one big pipe. I don't know if many of you remember multiplexing, but to me, in my head, that's what I look at with aggregation. They aggregate everything together. Now, I broke out carrier aggregation with unlicensed bands separately, and I'll tell you why. When you're looking at normal carrier aggregation, you're looking at one BTS, say a macro site or even a small cell, crunching everything together because it's coming out of the same unit, right? And I know they're going to expand this, but currently this is how it is in 2016. With unlicensed bands, suddenly you have to take two units and have them share the data. So you're taking the data out and separating it running it through two, let's say one BTS and one access point. We'll say it's Wi-Fi, but in the case of LTEU, it would be very similar. And then when it comes down to the device, the device somehow has to put it all back together to make it look like one big pipe. And examples of this are LAA, LAA, <laughs> LAA which is Licensed Assist Access, and LWA, which is LTE Wi-Fi Aggregation. I believe that's what it is, doing that off the top of my head. But basically, that's what it is. You have two separate devices. But the UE device has to do a lot of work in putting everything back together. Another way they're going to get more bandwidth is massive MIMO. Now, I, I, MIMO they're already using, and that already is a game changer. MIMO, multiple in, multiple out. And I have an article in there, a link on MIMO if you want to read about it. And I say massive MIMO because when it comes to 5G, the antenna technology is going to be amazing. Listen, I don't know how many of you guys worked with Ruckus. Ruckus had high-tech high antenna technology in their Wi-Fi uh, device, which was really cool. And it worked well in the Wi-Fi spectrum. It was really smart and knew who to focus on. And it really had to do a lot of thinking, or in that case, processing, to figure out what it would do. That's why Ruckus was more of a carrier-grade system. Now, you know, Ubiquity, Ubiquity didn't care because, quite frankly, they're, they're cheap. You just buy it. If it fails, you throw it away and you buy another one. But uh, with Ruckus, they actually came away to evolve the Wi-Fi antenna and unit, have it all work together. It's not just all in the antenna, but there's brains in there telling it what to do. 
But massive MIMO is going to go way beyond what we know now. In one panel, which we would call an antenna, there will actually be hundreds of little antennas in there. Each one will focus on a user. Multiple ones will be speaking to one user, which is the MIMO, multiple in, multiple out. So I, I think that's amazing. I see it with the carriers now. They're going to 2T, 2R, 4T, 4R. The 4T, 4R is 4 transmit, 4 receive. That's sort of how they do it in the FDD spectrum. They have four simultaneous signals that transmit, and they can receive four simultaneous signals all at the same time. It's pretty cool. They're going to have improvements in LTE. Now, I put this in there. To me, this is obvious, but a lot of people don't understand how they're making these advances. But you have LTE advanced, and it's going to continue to advance. 3GPP is laying out the protocols for that. Again, I have a link in there. It's being released to networks now in 2016. This is how we get carrier aggregation. This is how MIMO works. This is how we get faster speeds through the same pipes. It's because LTE is advancing. The format, the equipment, the hardware, everything. Finally, we have new spectrum. Even though you don't see it now, well, you hear about this, if you're in the business, you hear about the 600 megahertz auctions, right? 600 megahertz are having the auctions, they're going to have more bandwidth, and 600 megahertz can reach a little farther than a lot of other spectrums. So they look at it as a key spectrum for deployment. With band 14 for public safety, you're going to have 700 megahertz. They have, what, 10 megahertz of spectrum there. So you have this spectrum that's opening up new doors for operators, but... You have new spectrum coming out. Like I said, the 24 gigahertz and up, which has bigger swaths of bandwidth, 5, 10, 20 megahertz carriers. How cool is that? You have millimeter wave, which is going to have 50 or 100 megahertz swaths of spectrum. Think of the bandwidth you can get through a 100 megahertz pipe. It's a lot of bandwidth. You know, you can probably get, oh, I don't know how much data using everything they use now. It's amazing. But then if you have four of those to put together, then you have 400 megahertz of bandwidth. That's amazing. I mean, that's going to be a lot of that's going to be a lot of data you can put through there. I mean, once we're talking above 24 gigahertz, there's going to be so much spectrum that's going to be available. It's going to be amazing, I think. I mean, once you have that much spectrum, once you can get a gig through or even, you know, 400 megahertz or let's say 500 megabits per second, could you imagine that would compete with what the cable companies can do now. And they run a wire to your house. So I see this as fixed wireless making a difference going to people's houses. It's going to be a huge game changer, in my opinion. I think it's going to be a huge game changer. And I think all the carriers have to do is figure out how to bill for it, like the cable companies build for Internet access, only without all the TV channels. You know, we have Netflix and everything else now. That's what people are watching. This is really going to make a difference moving forward. So that's a big part of it. That's the wireless part of it. Now, what about the backhaul and the core? I just want to go over a few things here like SDN, Software Defined Networking. It's making the routing architecture smarter and more efficient. You have network function virtualization using SDN to make the network virtual. Again, much smarter network functions are coming closer to you. You have cloud computing. This is where the apps, the programs are running closer to you or on a server in the cloud. They're running somewhere other than, say, back at the core. That's a game changer. It's just amazing what you can do now. To take that a step farther, you have fog computing. This is where the cloud is shoving it as close to the end user as possible, shoving the applications, shoving all the possible programs that need to be run. And this is where IoT is going to make smart decisions in low latency because now everything's running as close to the device as possible. The other thing you have is a cloud RAN. 
The C ran, which it's C hyphen ran, is the cloud ran. They will not necessarily have a local BBU, but a virtual BBU that may run in the cloud. All the processing might be in the cloud somewhere. So you can just connect to the internet, connect to your virtual BBU, and bam, your radio head's up and on the air. Now, it's similar to C ran without the hyphen, C R A N, which is centralized ran. This is where the BBU hotel is remote. The difference is CloudRAN is going to have the BBU functions running in the cloud. CRAN is going to have a BBU with a direct connection to the radio head. By direct connection, could be a three-mile fiber link. Actually, I don't know if they can go three miles. There is a, there's a distance limitation. But it could have a very long link. But it's going to have to have a direct connect link, which is either fiber or wireless. Very low latency. Latency is an issue. It's a big issue there. So you can have that. So all you have to do is deploy a radio head with a fiber interface and bam, you're done. Or a radio head with a wireless backhaul interface, which they call front hall. Bam, you're done. The link between the BBU and the radio head is called front hall. I didn't get into that here, but we're covering a lot of information. So bear with me. That's the difference between the two. And once they have the cloud ran going, you'll, in theory, you'll be able to put the radio heads anywhere because that delay between the BBU and the radio head will no longer be an issue, or at least not as much of an issue. Latency will be lower, the cloud, maybe even fall computing will have the BBU functions running very close to the radio head. So 5G is going to encompass applications, new ways to use the HetNet, just going to be a game changer in what we see today. It's going to be the difference between what we saw in the past and what we're going to see in the future. What we're going to have here is a way that it all plays together. Cloud computing, fog computing, the new technologies. The network is going to be as important as the wireless network. The backhaul is going to be important as the front hall. It's all going to mesh together to one. We're going to have so many, not so many, we're going to have many different formats, but LTE is going to be the foundation for what we have now. And then it's going to build on that. Obviously, we'll use LTEU, we'll use Wi-Fi, we'll use whatever the 5G format's going to be. It's all going to mesh together into one big happy network's going to be in my opinion, amazing. I can't wait to see how it works. The downside is they got to pay to build it. Carriers don't like that, but they, they know they have to do it. The other downside is they're going to have to upgrade to backhaul. It's going to be very expensive. They're either going to have to do fiber, wireless. It's amazing how it evolved. So just bear with me here. But in the old days for 3G, they got away with a few T1s, maybe a DS3. Now they, they couldn't imagine just having like one or two megahertz uh, backhaul, one or two megabit per second backhauls. Now they, they need 10 to 100 megabits per second. If it's a macro site, they need 100 megabits to, per second. Now they probably even need a, a gigabit per second to a lot of these sites because that's that's a requirement. They'll actually probably go way beyond the gigabit per second to 10 gigabit per second, 100 gigabit per second to satisfy the needs of the end user. That it's just going to really be a game changer for backhaul. So the fiber deployments are really going to pay off. I don't know how they're going to do it. They'll find a way to aggregate fibers, which I think they can already do. So there you go. All of that together. Cram it all together into one network. You have 5G. That's what we're going to do. So this is going to be more than just a new format or a higher speed. It's going to be a combination of formats with so much more included. We will see 5G-specific applications that will shape the network. It'll shape the world. It's going to be a game changer out there. Can you imagine artificial intelligence is going to be a game changer in our network and our wireless network in our lifetime? Can you imagine virtual reality is going to be real in our network? All that's going to happen through this. 
Think about the other applications we have. Think about the internet of things when the devices are talking to each other, when their processing power isn't even part of any laptop or computer anywhere. They're literally talking to each other, giving each other guidance on how they should make changes, move forward. Internet of things is going to be incredible. It's going to be part of the 5G network. And all this 5G hoopla that we hear now is soon going to be Oh, 5G, that's been around forever. We're waiting on 6G. I got to tell you right now, it's hard to picture what 6G is going to be, but I'm hoping it's incredible. (laughs) But 5G, in a nutshell, there it is. All right, everyone. I want to throw a shout out to a few more things that I I like to talk about. The Tower Family Foundation. The Tower Family Foundation. Towerfamilyfoundation.org. And I want to thank the Hubble Foundation, Hubble, H-U-B-B-L-E, foundation.org. Both of these groups help the tower climber families after the tower climber has been hurt. Tower climber could be a man or woman. Tower climbers get hurt all the time. It's a tough job. It's a physical job. It's a rigorous job. It's a job in which the carriers have driven down the pricing to in the past several years. So it's very hard for these guys to make a living as it is. And usually when a tower climber has an accident in a tower, it results in death or permanent disability. These two foundations help the families get through that. And I'm not just talking about counseling or even the uh, medical part of it. I'm talking financially. They help them financially survive because generally when that happens, it's usually the breadwinner. Climbing's a tough job, folks. I've done it. It's just a rough job. So God bless those organizations. I just want to thank them. They don't ask me to do this. I do it because I care. I care about this industry. This industry is more than just the cell phones. When we say wireless, people think of the phones, the devices, but really it's a network. Wireless workers are really spread across from the salespeople that are out in the front line selling the phones, back through the OEMs, back through the contractors, back through everyone that is part of this industry, making it grow and making it happen. All right, I'm done with that preaching. Don't forget, Wireless Deployment Handbook. So on wadeforwireless.com. Also, scope of work tutorial. It's out there for you. I have other blogs on this too about 5G, the business case, the foundation, LTEU backhaul. It's all there. Knock yourselves out. Go out there and read the post. Learn, learn, learn. And one last thing. Be smart, be safe, and pay attention. See ya. Mm-hmm.